Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Why don't you grab your Bible and open up to the middle of your Bible to the book of Psalms. And Psalm 113 is where we're going to start this morning. We'll be jumping around to several other Psalms in that section. But Psalms, right in the middle of your Bible, if you don't own a Bible or don't have one this morning, there should be one in the seat pocket in front of you. And I invite you to take that. That's our gift to you uh, this morning. Uh, maybe you're visiting, maybe you've been away for a while. We are walking through the book of Psalms together as a church, and we are believing and trusting and praying and hoping that the Psalms, the book of Psalms, God's Word, that as we read the Psalms and we teach through the Psalms, we're praying through the Psalms, some of us are memorizing the Psalms and meditating on the Psalms, that they shape the Psalms are shaping of our view of who God is. The Psalms are shaping of how we view ourselves. The Psalms are shaping of how we view all of life. So we're trusting and praying that this is not just a, an exercise, that we are being shaped as the people of God as we walk through the Psalms together. Now, I, I got to tell you, I, I was reminded again this morning, and I don't know why I have to be reminded of this so much, but just standing down here and singing truth about God and hearing you sing great truth about God, I was reminded how much I personally need to praise the Lord and how soul-shaping it is to gather with God's people. And we talk about this all the time, but how shaping it is and how meaningful it is and how valuable it is to gather with God's people and praise the Lord. So what we're going to be talking about again today, we, we began last week a little bit, but we're going to chase a theme that's really all over the book of Psalms, and that is this theme of praise, of praising the Lord, this activity that God commands us to do, He calls us to do, and I think even more so, He invites us to participate in this thing called praising the Lord. We defined praise last week as declaring the greatness of God. Declaring the greatness of God in response to who He is, which again, we, we praise corporately, we praise personally, we praise individually, we praise with our hands, we praise with our mouth, we, we praise with our lives. Praise is simply, it's, it's declaring the greatness of our God. And that's throughout the book of Psalms and throughout the scriptures, and I want us to focus particularly on a section of scripture this morning. We're going to begin in Psalm 113, but really we're going to look at an entire section of scripture that goes really from about Psalm 113 up through about Psalm 118, and we're not going to have time to cover all that. That's not my intent at all, but there is a, this is a distinguished section of scripture in your Bible, and here's why this section of scripture is so important, is if you grew up in Israel, especially before the days of Jesus, and you grew up in ancient Israel, and you grew up in a Jewish home, this section of Psalms, from Psalm 113 to Psalm 118, you would have read, sang, prayed, heard this section of Psalms at least three times a year. Uh, faithful Jews took this section of Psalms and they read this section of Psalms, they sang it, they prayed it around three main festivals that the nation of Israel would celebrate every year, around Passover, they celebrated around Pentecost, and then the Feast of Tabernacles. So this was a section of scripture in the Old Testament that was very familiar to the people of Israel. And there's something in particular in this section of scripture that's as if God said, okay, I want you to get this. 
And I want what's in this section of the Psalms to be a regular rhythm of your life. And a regular rhythm of your family. And a regular rhythm when you gather. And a regular rhythm when you are individually worshiping the Lord. Now, I'm just going to kind of point out what this theme is. It's pretty obvious. I'm going to read just a few verses in this section, and then we're going to dive into Psalm 113. But just listen to some of these verses in this section of Scripture and see if you can identify what the theme is through this section of Scripture. Psalm 113, verse 1 begins this way. Praise the Lord. Praise, O servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Psalm 113, verse 3, from the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. Psalm 113, verse 9, praise the Lord. Psalm 115, verse 18, but as for us, we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forever. Praise the Lord. Psalm 116, verse 19, in the courts of the Lord's house, in the midst of you, O Jerusalem, praise the Lord. Psalm 117, right in the middle of your Bible, Praise the Lord, all nations. Laud Him, all peoples. For His loving kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord is everlasting. Praise the Lord. Now you don't have to be a genius or a scholar to figure out that there's a theme that's pulled directly through this major section of Scripture that was repeated over and over and over in the lives of the people of Israel. And here's the big theme. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So the big idea I want to chase with us this morning is going to be really helpful for you, I hope, and really practical for you. If you, you see this scripture and really throughout the Psalms, and here's the big truth this morning is this. Praise is declaring who God is. Praise is to have a consistent, significant, and defining place in the daily lives of God's covenant people. Who wants to see that this morning? That you can't walk through the Psalms, that you can't walk through Scripture as a child of God, as one of His covenant people has been called out and not realize that this idea of praise, this practice of praise that He invites us into is to have a regular, consistent, significant, defining place in our daily lives as the people of God. Now, I want to chase this a little bit because I'm afraid what happens is when we we say the word praise, we, we just put a religious label on it. Or, or we just think it's a churchy activity, if you will. But I want to I chase something with you. And it's this idea that all human beings, that would be everybody in this room, I'm pretty sure. All human beings, as image bearers of God, we have the capacity, because of the image of God that we bear, we have the capacity to recognize and express greatness. We do that naturally. All of you, when you see something that you recognize has value or something that is of worth or something that is great, something in you wells up and you want to praise. We, we, we do that naturally in a sense. In fact, let me give you an illustration of this. This past week I was flying home and uh, Pastor Jeff and a few of us, we had the opportunity to be out in Portland, Oregon, working with Remedy City, a church we've been able to plant as a church. And as we were flying out of Portland, if you've flown out of Portland at all, on the, usually on the right-hand side of the plane, you can look out and your eyes are just captivated by what you see as you fly out of Portland. And it's this. Go ahead and put that picture. Now, you say, Pastor Mike, did you take that picture? Well, no. 
I took one. It's just nowhere near as good as that. But it looks something like that. Here's the idea. When you're flying out of Portland, your eyes cannot keep from looking at Mount Hood. And man, when you're flying out, you just look down at this majestic, I and mean, you're like parallel with it. If you look down in the valley, you can't see it on this picture, but all these, uh, all these waterfalls are coming out of it, and it just fills the valley, and you can't look at something like that, and something in you wants to exclaim or praise how incredible that thing is. So I'm sitting in the airplane, I'm sitting in the middle seat, and there's a woman next to me I've never met, I have no idea who she is, and I just look out, and I can't stop but say, man, look at that mountain, look how glorious that mountain is. And she doesn't know me from Adam, she kind of looks and she kind of joins in, and she goes, man, that is an incredible thing, look how beautiful that is. And I just, I said, look at God's creation, that he would create something like that, and she didn't say much after that. But anyway, we, <laughs> we were there, and the point is, Praise is something that's wired in us as human beings. We have the capacity to recognize greatness. And we long to express that greatness. C.S. Lewis put it this way. I put that quote of C.S. Lewis up here. He says this, The world rings with praise. Lovers praising one another. Husbands, that would be a good idea for you, by the way. Lovers praising one another. Readers praising their favorite poet. Walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, drinks, dishes, actors, horses, on and on and on. Even sometimes politicians or scholars, go to the next slide, except where intolerably averse circumstances interfere. Listen to this statement by C.S. Lewis. Praise almost seems to be inner health made audible. There's a joy in my heart and I've got to express it, he says. The psalmist... In telling everyone to praise the Lord is doing what all men do when we speak of what they care about. The psalmist is calling us to do what we do naturally in our humanness, but to direct that praise to what is most significant, the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So what I want to do is I want to walk through just a few things with you about this thing called praise that God invites us to be a part of. Psalm 113, you can look there, and I'm going to give you a few big ideas, and then we're going to walk through this passage, but here's the first big idea about praise this morning is this, praise gives expression, praise gives expression to the greatness of God. Now look with me, Psalm 113 says this, praise the Lord. That phrase is literally translated all over the world as hallelujah. That means praise the Lord. That's the same thing. It's praise, O servants of the Lord. God is saying clearly here, those who walk with God, those who know their God, praise is to be something that adorns our life. Praise Him, O servants of the Lord. What is the object of our praise? He says praise the name. Praise the name of the Lord. If you write in your Bibles, that's very, very important to circle that little phrase because what that means is the psalmist is not calling us here to just use empty religious platitudes. And you know what I mean. Sometimes we think the idea of praise is just using these empty churchy phrases that we have no idea what they mean. The psalmist is saying, no, no, from our heart, with our lips, with our lives is to be praised and it's to be praising the name of the Lord. What does that mean? 
When the Hebrew language, and it even carries over into the Greek language of the New Testament, the idea of name means someone's character. Name is closely associated with who someone is, what is true about them, their attributes, what you could say about this person. So the psalmist is saying very clearly, listen, praise is not to be some empty religious activity. Praise is to be the overflow. What's this? Because praise is an activity that we participate in, but praise is something that reveals our heart too, by the way. Empty or lack of praise reveals something about the condition of our heart. Praise shapes our heart and praise also reveals our heart. But listen to this. Praise is the overflow of a Bible-saturated, growing, dynamic love relationship with God himself. Those who know God and those who know the God of the Bible and those who are walking in a dynamic, growing, life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ, the God of the Bible, guess what? Praise will adorn your life. And praise will flow out of your life. And you won't just have these empty platitudes. It will be this truth about who God is. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forever and ever, verse 2 says. From the rising of the sun to its setting, the name of the Lord is to be praised. You say, when is a good time to praise? <laughs> well, I know we praise when we gather at church on Sunday morning, but the psalmist is saying, listen, let me tell you a good time to praise. Ready? From the rising of the sun to its setting. The point is, all day, every day, there's never a good time to not be acknowledging the greatness of God. Praise. Psalmist continues and he says, verse 4, the Lord. And he goes into an actual praise here and a recognition of who God is. He says, the Lord is high above all nations. His glory is above the heavens. In other words, it's, it's as if the psalmist is saying, okay, Praise is something we do. It's, it's wired within us because of our humanness. But as followers of Christ, the greatest object of our praise is this God who is high above all nations. It's this God whose glory is above the heavens. In other words, there can be no higher object of your praise than God himself. The psalmist is calling our focus of our praise to be on him. He says, verse 5, who is like the Lord our God? Who is like the Lord our God who is enthroned on high? And I love what he does here. He's going he's to exalt God for his greatness. He is exalted. He's enthroned on high. Meaning God is unreachable. God is, God is more than we could even imagine. But then he comes back in verse 6 and says, This same God who is beyond our wildest imaginations, verse 6, who humbles himself. In other words, God has made himself knowable to you. It says this God humbles himself to behold the things that are in heaven and on earth. It's one of those verses I read just a few, few days ago as we were reading through in our reading. And, and, and it shocked me and reminded me. If God, God has to humble himself in his greatness to even look upon me. <laughs> to even look upon the things he's made because of his greatness. But yet he humbles himself and he cares and even take it a step further. He has taken on flesh and come and walked among us. Praise to his name. Praise him. Praise him. 
So praise is to be a, an adornment of our life. It is to be a regular pattern in our daily lives. Praise gives expression to the greatness of God in our lives. What if, what if, brothers and sisters, as, as a result of this, we determine as we're in God's word and we're walking with God, not just corporately, but also individually, what if we began each day Man, when our feet hit the floor, and I don't know what it's like when your feet hit the floor, but when my feet hit the floor, it's a battle at that very moment. The thoughts of the day are entering my mind, and the focus of the day is entering my mind. But what if we chose, by God's grace, to begin our day praising the Lord from the rising of the sun to the setting, and we begin our day with something like this, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Because here's what your soul tries to do when you wake up in the morning. Bless everything but the Lord. And chase everything but God Almighty and His beauty and His greatness and His faithfulness and His goodness. But I, the psalmist says, no, no, no. You direct your soul. You direct your heart. Because it will latch on something that day. It doesn't take long. Your soul will latch onto something. The psalms are calling you to say, no, no, no. Begin your day. Direct your soul. Your soul must latch on the greatness of God. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is within me, bless His holy name psalm 103 you begin the morning something like this psalm 103 verse 13 just as the father or just as a father has compassion on his children so the lord has compassion on those who fear him begin the day recognizing the great compassion of your god and on and on and on and on and on and on in other words from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same Begin your day in praise. Direct your soul toward the highest thing your, your soul can praise all day. God himself. So see, praise is something, it's an expression of the greatness of God in our lives. That's big idea number one. I'm going to give you another and we're going to spend the rest of our time here. I don't know if we practically know, and I, I've learned it over the years and I'm continuing to learn it, but... The incredible value of praise directed to him, Bible-saturated, God-honoring, truth-dripping praise that flows out of our time with him. I don't know if we know the value that that is to our own soul. And I'm not sure we know when, when that is absent in our life, what has a tendency to creep into our soul. So the second big idea I want to chase for just a few minutes is this, that praise is, is, is soul-shaping for the people of God. Again, this Bible-saturated praise of our God not only reveals our soul at times, but it actually shapes the soul of God's people. Let me show you that from Scripture. You don't have to turn back there, but Psalm 111, just a couple Psalms back, there's a few verses here in Psalm 111. I'm just going to read these. Just kind of listen. The psalmist is praising the Lord here. And the psalmist says, Splendid and majestic is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He's praising God for his rightness, his righteousness. He goes on, verse 4 of Psalm 111. He has made his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He recognizes some things that are true of God. Gracious, compassionate. Then verse 5. He, God, has given food to those who fear him. He will remember his covenant forever. He's, he's praising God for his generosity, for his faithfulness. 
Now he continues on through this psalm, and I'm not going to take time to read all of it. You can read it on your own. Then the psalmist goes to the very next psalm, Psalm 112. Psalm 111 that we just read is declaring the greatness of God. Watch this. Psalm 112 is talking about the man or the woman of God and their character. Now watch. And he says this. Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Bible-saturated praise. Verse 3. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Wait a minute. We just read that as a characteristic that's true of God. God's righteousness. And now he's saying this man or woman of God, their character is now one of rightness, of righteousness. In other words, they are literally being transformed into the very character of God himself. Watch verse 4. Light arises in the darkness for the upright. He, the man of God, is gracious and compassionate and righteous. Wait a minute. We just read that about God. But now the psalmist seems to say, but the person who is dripping in praise and dripping in Bible-saturated praise, God uses that to literally shape the hearts of those who follow it. Give you another example. Verse 9. He has freely given to the poor. This is the man or woman of God, and his righteousness endures forever. In other words, he's speaking of this man of God. He is now a generous man who meets the needs of others. Didn't we just read that about God in Psalm 111? Yep. The point is this. Praise shapes the hearts of those who follow God. Shapes our heart. Praise is an actual part of the sanctification process of growing into Christ's likeness and becoming more and more and more and more like Christ. Because here's the reality of our life. What we praise, what has our greatest attention, what we focus our soul upon, that is what we will become like. It's what we'll become like. The psalmist is saying, praise the Lord. And as we praise Him and we praise His name and who He is, the Spirit of God in us uses that to make us more and more and more and more like Jesus. In the presence of Bible-saturated, God-focused praise, our very character is shaped into the character of God. Let me flip that around this morning. What about the absence of Some of us can relate to this very clearly. What happens in the soul of a follower, of a Christ follower, of someone who knows God? What happens in our soul? And for whatever reason, praise is absent from our lives. I'm going to read a quote from a man named Glenn Rogers. Glenn Rogers was the founding pastor of this church, a man who had great impact on me. And I can remember a message preached at this church years and years ago when I was very young. And Glenn preached on praise. And he got this quote. I emailed him this week and said, Glenn, I can't remember that quote. Can you send it to me? Listen to this. This is very, very helpful. It says this. If we say praise doesn't make a difference, then consider the alternative. In the vacuum left by the absence of praise, the germs of human disorder can grow. Put more theologically, sin is free to manifest itself in the absence of praise. Hear that? The other option, apart from praise, gripe, depression, self-pity, fatigue, blame, bitterness, discouragement, disgust, defeat, disillusionment, are all free to flourish in the absence of Bible-saturated, God-focused 
praise. Isn't it a grace of God that he says to you and me, praise the Lord. Praise him. Praise the name of the Lord. And what it does in your soul and my soul is the shaping activity of praise. Isn't that good? So praise literally shapes our soul. Let me give you a couple more. I'm going to be careful to guard our time here. The second one is this. Praise weakens the grip of idols. When we, when we fix our soul through praise upon the greatness of God, it we, we weakens the grip of idols. Chapter 115, Psalm 115 begins this way. It says, not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name give glory. It begins with a praise. And this praise begins in the context of Israel and the idolatry of the nation of Israel and all the idols that surrounding the people of Israel. Verse 2 says, I'm in Psalm 115, Why should the nation say, where now is their God? In other words, if you grew up in the nation of Israel during this time, all the, nation, all the, the nations of the land of Canaan, they had their own gods. They had their own visible statues as the expression of their God. And it was a mock and a jeer to the people of Israel. Well, you don't even have any statues. Where's your God? People of Israel answer, verse 3 says, But our God is in the heavens, and he does whatever he pleases. Then they go on, they say, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of man's hands. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel. Feet, but they cannot walk. They cannot make a sound with their throat. In other words, the point is, your idols are empty. Those things in our life that fight for our affections. An idol, listen really quick, an idol can be any good thing that we make a God thing in our life. And expect this good thing to do what only God can do. That can be an idol in our life. Verse 8 comes back and says, Those who make them, these idols, will become like them. Everyone who trusts in them. What we said earlier, that which has your greatest affection is what you will ultimately become like. And the psalmist says, In the midst of the idols of the land, in the midst of all these things pulling for our affection and striving for our attention, the answer is, Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Know your God. Praise Him. Praise Him. Praise Him. It says in verse 9, O Israel, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. See that? Praise. As a regular part of our day, praise as we gather corporately helps fight the grip of idols in our life. Number three, quickly praise strengthens us in crisis. Psalm 116, I'll say this very quickly. The, the psalmist is saying the cords of death. I'm reading Psalm 116 verse 3. He's in, a, he's in a bad situation in this psalm. We don't know exactly what's going on, but it's not good. The world seems to be unraveling around him. Verse 3 says, The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. In other words, he's in a tough spot. You ever felt that way? Sure. A lot. What's he do? Verse 4. Then I called on the name of the Lord. There it is. Not just platitudes, but I praised, I called out something true about God. 
In other words, in times of distress and in times when everything seems to be unraveling, one of the reasons we, we want to know our Bibles and we want to know our God is because that may be the only thing you have to hold on to. He's clinging to the very character of God here. Verse 4, he says, Then I called on the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. Verse 5, he's going to quote Exodus 34. He's quoting a truth about his God as revealed in Scripture. And he says, the Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. What does he do in the midst of a trial, in the midst of crisis? He praises the name of his God. What happens? Well, we don't know what happened with the situation. The situation may have never changed. But guess what it changed? His soul in the midst of the situation. Look on down verse 7. He says, return to your rest, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. Isn't that good? Sometimes the most important thing we can do in the midst of a painful trial is praise the name of our God. Amen. And then finally... There's a couple other things that we're not going to have time to go over all this. I, I want to end with, with one final one. One thing that we see about praise is uh, we, we know that praise shapes our soul. We know that praise strengthens or weakens the grip of idols. It strengthens us in crisis. But I want to share one final thing with you very quick. Is this, that praise seems to be something in our life that not only expresses our joy in God... Praise completes our joy in God. What does that mean? In other words, throughout this section in the Psalms, you see words like delight, words like rejoicing, words like gladness, words like blessed, words like joyful are throughout this section of Psalms. And it seems that God is so good that he calls us to praise, not only to express the greatness of who he is, but watch this, that, that us, his people, will complete our joy in him. C.S. Lewis again said it this way, it's very helpful. He said, I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because that praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. You get that sense? In other words, there's something in the book of Psalms that is inviting us in to not only know who this God is, but through praise and through the expression of our soul and the expression of his character to actually complete our joy in him. Quick illustration to maybe help. Again, this past week, I, not only was it in Portland, but Jennifer, I had the opportunity to travel down to Texas for a few days to be with some pastors down there. And there was a particular pastor that was kind of leading our time, and he was guiding our time down there. And he was, a, he was the one who would take us out to eat. And, man, every time before he would take us out to eat, no joke, he would address all these pastors, and he would spend 5 to 10, sometimes 15 minutes, talking about how good the food was at this restaurant he's going to. I mean, it was like he was an evangelist for these restaurants. I'm not joking. We were kind of scratching our head and we said, okay, man, I get it. It's a good place. He just kept on going how good the food was. The brisket in Texas is just unbelievable brisket. And you're sitting there. And I realized after reading all this, I thought back to that. And I thought, not only was he expressing the joy of his soul, he was even bringing that joy to completion. Because here's what you and I love to do. 
we have the capacity to not only recognize greatness, but when we express that greatness and we share that greatness, we push back from the table of a massive feast and we just got to praise what we've just experienced. And that not only expresses the joy, it completes our joy. And God is so good. He says he invites us into praise not just to express his greatness, but to enjoy his greatness and to complete that enjoyment in us. And then you know what happens? I'm going to invite the team to come on up and we're just going to sing some praise here in just a minute. But then here's what happens. When we express, when we complete our joy in something, we can't stop inviting others to the same enjoyment that's what this guy did. his name was Kevin and he was in Texas he couldn't wait for us all to go into this restaurant and enjoy what he had enjoyed evangelism is in effect declaring what you enjoy most and inviting others to come to that enjoyment that's why praise in your life will overflow into telling others about the one you are praising. An absence of praise in your life reveals a heart that is not enjoying your God and nor will you tell others about him. Right in the middle of your Bible, and we'll close with this. Psalm 117, it's the shortest chapter in the Bible it's two verses but it's the pivot point it seems of all of scripture in in the midst of all this talk of praise Psalm 117 right in the middle of your Bible says this praise the Lord all you nations extol him all you peoples for great is his love toward us And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. In other words, those whose heart is overflowing with praise will declare His greatness. And we want the ends of the earth and every nation and every people group to enter into the joy that we know in our God. Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. You bow your head for just a second. We're going to stand and sing. We're going to praise Him in song. We're right there in your heart for just a moment. Is praise a consistent, regular part of your life? If not, why not? But if so, this morning we're going to stand and we're going to sing with our team and we're going to praise Him. And that praise is to overflow to our neighbors and our friends. It's to adorn our day and we are to enjoy our God and invite those around us to the same enjoyment we have in Him. Father, we love You. We praise You. You are worthy of our praise. Let us find our greatest satisfaction and joy in You and then let us go tell and praise and invite others to the same joy. In your name we pray.